Good morning. This morning on Community Stories, we are going to be talking about Abraham Lincoln. He is a part of controversy here at Minnesota State University uh, in at the direction of the Minnesota State Mankato President Richard Davenport. The Campus Buildings and Landmarks Research Team uh, is reviewing the names and landmarks at Minnesota State University and just this past April, there was a discussion seeking recommendations for the Abraham Lincoln statue located in the Centennial Student Union. And the reasons are is, uh, well, first of all, uh, Lincoln was best known for his Civil War role of freeing the slaves and preserving the Union. He's historically fused with the Mankato region as well. In 1862, as the Civil War raged on, he faced his biggest crisis involving Native Americans. The Dakota Nation of southern Minnesota was on the brinks of starvation after delays in promised treaty payments and rose up and killed white settlers in the region. So Lincoln took a stance at the end of the Dakota War that remains controversial today. Hence the discussions over this monument, the statue that is in a very uh, prominent place in the Centennial Student Union. And uh, one of the reasons is that the historical records state that when the military commission condemned 303 Dakota warriors, Lincoln personally reviewed all those trial transcripts at the request of Henry P. B. Whipple, uh, an Episcopal bishop of Minnesota. And after thorough examination of the cases, Lincoln commuted the sentences of all but 38 warriors. So on December 26, 1862, the 38 were hanged in Mankato and it remains the la largest mass execution in U.S. history, hence the controversy of uh, the Lincoln statue. And with me this morning, I've got a guy who plays Abraham Lincoln in the community has, for many, many years and is a historian of him. His name is Bryce O. Stenzel. Good morning, Bryce. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, you've played Lincoln. It's been a part of your historical research you just seem to know a lot about it tell talk about your interest in, in him well actually my interest goes back to when I was a little boy uh, learning about Lincoln for the first time and that would have been kindergarten so when people ask me how long have you been doing Lincoln officially it's 30 years as a costume historical interpreter but actually the interest goes back almost 50 years because uh, I'm almost 55 years old okay. or I will be next March so uh, yeah I'm almost, uh, I've been doing this really for half a century. What was it about Lincoln at that young age that intrigued you so much that you would make it a study through much of your life? That's a great question, and I've asked myself that many times. I think uh, it comes down to the fact that my father was a uh, World War II veteran, and I was looking for role models uh, as many children are at that age and of course my father was one but I identified with Lincoln because he seemed to embody some of those same qualities and this uh, reverence for the Union this reverence for uh, uh, the American experiment I was I was drawn to that both through my father but also uh, through reading about uh, Lincoln and the fact that Lincoln had two young sons uh, Willie and Tad who lived with him in the White House I think that was another thing that I identified with uh, as, a, as a child growing up. And then your interest just grew from there. Correct. And you actually resemble Abraham Lincoln. For people who may have seen you, you've got the beard, you've got the kind of the, the glasses, the, the stately look. Is that something that encouraged you to, to play him in the role plays you've done? 
Yes. Now, I was interested in Lincoln long before I ever knew that I would resemble him. That uh, (laughs) that was a a happy coincidence, as it were. Uh, Actually, that started uh, when I was in high school. Um, We did a, uh, when I say we, I was actually part of the Lancer marching band. Oh. And this would have been 1985, uh, that time frame, 1985, 1986. Um, Anyway, we went on a tour to, actually it was 1985, we went on a tour to Washington, D.C., and we were all supposed to pick a historical character, and I decided I was going to do Lincoln, and people told me how much I actually resembled him. You know, I was thinking, you know, it was just, just... someone I was interested in, plus we were going to see the Lincoln Memorial, so that's the connection. But uh, people said, no, you actually resemble Lincoln, plus you know, I'd done a lot of reading by that time and was very interested, so I portrayed the role, and that, that was actually the beginning of it. And then uh, a few years later, I was doing my uh, student observation through, uh, actually, then it was Mankato State University. I am a graduate of Mankato State. Um, so I'm an alumni of this institution, uh, both undergraduate and master's degrees. But for my undergraduate degree, uh, we were doing uh, student observations at the elementary level, even though I was going to be a secondary uh, school teacher. Was this in the Mankato area? Yes. Okay. Uh, but the assignment was to go and observe uh, elementary students. Well, it just so happened that the observation day was February 12th. We were supposed to come up with a lesson plan I chose to do Lincoln based on that prior experience that I'd had, which went very well. Uh, I actually took first place in the in the costume judging contest, um, and so I uh, I built on that, and it was such a hit. I've been doing it ever since. And you are a teacher by trade, correct? Yes. So what are you teaching in the schools? Well, actually, currently I'm in St. Clair, and I work uh, a lot with special education students, but actually I do a variety of things. But uh, history has always been my uh, my passion. Uh, if you ask uh, lots of students in the area, they'll they'll identify me as, as either Lincoln or <laughs> okay. they, they may not even know my name. I mean, I actually Just have... Lincoln. <laughs> yes, I actually have people, adults, that come up to me in a grocery store, for example, you know, and I'm... You know, you you try to remember, but to be honest, a teacher never remembers all of their students. Sure. Um, you know, I've visited many classes over the years, but they remembered me, and they say, "Oh yeah, you came up and uh, did Lincoln for us." So that is that is how I'm known in the community. Well, I know you want to take a stance on the recent discussions about moving the. Abraham Lincoln statue from the Centennial Student Union. It's in a fairly prominent place, and there was a, a group that got together late April, including students, and uh, saying that uh, some of the Mankato students and staff want Lincoln statue removed to a less prominent location. Uh, they had a discussion among students, and they say that, um, you know, Lincoln has that history with the Native Americans that we talked about earlier. And so that's one of the reasons, uh, in fact, some commenting how it makes them feel awful when they see him because of, of that incident. So let's talk about your, you you feel that it should remain and be a, a prominent piece of our history. I do. Uh, and I actually have an association with the statue as well. Uh, both as a child growing up, I saw it. Uh, my dad actually uh, used to bring me up to campus on occasion and the, the statue's always been in the student union, but they've moved it around uh, different places. Uh, but that's not the important part. The important part is it certainly left an impression on me 
uh, even my uh, high, uh, college graduation photo that I brought in, uh, I'm standing there next to the, the Lincoln statue. He left an important um, legacy, uh, not just for me, but for generations of students. Actually, that statue uh, used to uh, be in Old Main. I was uh, originally commissioned in 1925-26, so actually we should be celebrating its centennial here in a couple of years, not talking about taking it down, in my opinion. But at any rate, uh, that was brought to the CSU building, which, by the way, was built the same year I was born. Uh, the reason it's called the Centennial Student Union for a bit of history was it was built during the centennial of the, the university's history, and that was 1867 when the university started. Yes, all the trash barrels and the T-shirts and everything say 1868, but actually the legislation that created uh, MSU was was signed in 1867. I was born 100 years later in 1967. So I've always had kind of a uh, affiliation. Uh, not only that, but uh, when I was a college student, the Comeback Club, which was sponsored by the Alumni Association, uh, used to have me come and bring that statue alive uh, for the pe people that came back for a class reunion. So it has, it has history, it has staying power with generations of students, you know, and I, I'm sorry if people are offended by it, but quite honestly, I'm offended that they're offended, if that, if that makes any sense. And why should their rights uh, trample over the people such as myself and others? And I know there's others besides me. They may not be as vocal speaking up about it, which I wish they would. But um, there are people that, that feel strongly that this statue should be preserved. It's part of our history. Uh, and to cart it off and stick it in storage or whatever they plan to do, I mean, those, those words that you, you <clears throat> have there in your, uh, your article about uh, taking it to a less prominent location, okay, that's, that's code word for warehouse. Uh, that's usually what happens to things that are deemed offensive is that they're simply removed, they're stuck away where nobody can see them, uh, and that actually happened uh, on a number of occasions already. If you recall, now this is a different set of circumstances, but if you recall last summer during the um, rioting that took place mm -hmm. after the George Floyd killing, uh, there was a big demonstration at the state capitol. Right. And a statue of Columbus was toppled. Uh, and the reason behind it, given, well, Columbus was a racist, he was a colonizer, this and that, that's not why that statue was put up in the first place. It was a gift by a group of Italian-Americans. Now, why... Again, why does one group's rights uh, triumph over uh, another group? Uh, to me, that's that's a case of bullying. Uh, I mean, you want to you want to get into the academic world. All right, let's talk about bullying. Bullying comes from people that want to empower themselves at the expense of someone else, and that's exactly what this is. All these attempts, talk, whatever you want to call it, discussion about removing this statue. It's a form of bullying. So there are many good things that, that Lincoln did, and they're looking at this one part that is offensive, and they, I think the reporter had a quote of someone said, uh, a Native American student is reminded that she doesn't belong here every time she passes a Lincoln statue. And the committee that met to talk about that said they want to include more context with the statue, and they're considering moving it to a less prominent 
location, but it does not want to remove it altogether. So they did say that, according to a, a Mankato Free Press report. And the committee's position is that the statute could function as an educational tool on slavery and racism if it's paired with a more comprehensive history. Well, the latter part of that, I do, I do agree with them. It, it could be, uh, as long as it's left on display, that's, that's what I want to see. Um, and people should be allowed to interpret it as they wish. You know, I'm I'm sorry for this Native American student if if she feels offended or you know whatever whatever the word um, that she described her you know as. But I would I would ask her to go and do some reading, some serious reading about this subject. Now you alluded to it when you said that Lincoln was responsible. Yes, he was responsible for the largest mass execution in American history, but you could also argue he was responsible for the largest pardoning in American history. He pardoned 265 of these Native American men, these warriors, uh, if you want to call them that, and actually we're not even supposed to use, by politically correct terms, we're not even supposed to use the, use the word warrior, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll say individuals. Um, at a time when he was very heavily involved with, with dealing with the Civil War, he was dealing with emancipation. Uh, actually, if you look at the, the timing of this, the execution took place the 26th of December, 1862. It's less than a week before the final Emancipation Proclamation was issued on January 1st, 1863. So Lincoln has an enormous amount on his plate, and the only way to judge a historical figure is in the context of their time. You can't judge them using 21st century standards. You have to judge them by what was happening in 1862. And in all honesty, you know everything that I've studied over many, many years uh, suggests to me that Lincoln took a very lenient approach, if you want to use the word liberal approach, um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he was looking at this in a very enlightened way uh, compared to any of his contemporaries. If it had been anybody else other than Lincoln, I'm almost positive. Now, it didn't happen, so I can't say for absolute certainty because uh, history doesn't reveal its alternatives. But that being said, I'm almost positive that no other president would have uh, intervened on behalf of Indians. I mean, they weren't citizens of the United States. I'm not saying that to be mean, to be derogatory, the fact is they weren't. Uh, Native Americans weren't uh, citizens until the 1920s. But they were here first, uh, so that's what you know. What part of the argument would be? Yes. Uh, well, actually, you, you, could, you could argue that as well. Um, we're, we're taught that Native Americans were here first, as if it's one monolithic group. There were Native Americans here, yes, prior to uh, white settlement, but they weren't always the Dakota. And see, that's an inconvenient truth um, that also should be uh, brought up. In fact, until the 1750s, the Dakota were actually further to the north. They were around Mille Lacs Lake, you know, what we know of as northern Minnesota. Mm -hmm. It was the uh, Ojibwe or the Anishinaabe uh, that actually uh, pushed with the help of the French uh, technology, namely firearms, helped push the Dakota further west. Well, guess what the Dakota did? They pushed out the Cheyenne, who were actually living here. That Those were the people that were living here at the time of the French settlements and so on. Uh, just a few Dakota, but, but not many. 
Um, so this whole idea that the Dakota somehow were the original inhabitants, uh, that's a misconception also, historically. One thing and, 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 and anthropologically. Sure. One thing you mentioned, talk about uh, the, the time that this happened. Uh, and according to historians, I read a report that says Lincoln's response to the Dakota War shows a president, politician, and a lawyer who was caught in the prejudices and influence of the times, as well as his firm belief that the law was sacrosanct. Uh, sacrosanct. And he knew injustices had been made and more would come in the form of mob violence if presidential action wasn't taken. And so he decided to uphold those death sentences only when evidence existed against those directly involved with the killing of civilians. So, you know, like you mentioned, given the times and, and things were happening then. And so, so I'm not like you mentioned, is it fair to compare what happened then with the way things are and the, the thought process today? I believe it's not. Uh, in order to understand this, I, I want you to use a, a mental picture. We're on radio, so it has to be a mental picture. But think of uh, the scales of justice uh, that you see on just about every courthouse and every law office. You know, you've got the two justice scales. Well, Lincoln is caught in the middle because on one hand, he has this group of Native Americans that, yes, he understands. And people like Bishop Whipple, you mentioned him Mm -hmm. uh, in the article. Bishop Whipple actually went to Lincoln, uh, and I was able to track down the exact day it was. It took me a while. But it was September 16th, 1862. For our listeners, uh, that date should actually ring a bell, or if that date doesn't, the next day, September 17th, that's the bloodiest single day of the Civil War, the Battle of Antietam. Lincoln is caught up, and of course the, the build-up to Antietam is, is happening you know, as they were speaking in the White House. But Lincoln took time out of his schedule while this huge battle is about to you know, explode on northern soil. It was actually the first invasion of the North second being Gettysburg, but the first was uh, the Battle of Antietam. Lincoln took time out of his busy schedule to listen to Bishop Henry Whipple, and he made the statement later that what the bishop had told him um, made him you know, rethink this whole Indian policy, uh, or actually the way he put it was he could feel the rascality of this Indian business down to his boots, uh, which, of course, you know, Lincoln is six feet four inches tall, so that's a long way down. Mm-hmm. Whereas I say it in my presentations, that's a long way down. <laughs> you know, people usually get a chuckle out of that. Yes. Um, at any rate, uh, so you've got that on one hand. You know, Whipple is telling him that these, you know, natives have been have been mistreated with the treaty violations and everything else. They they went to war to protect their their homeland. Okay, he understands that. But on the other hand, you've got the white settlers, which actually Lincoln is the elected representative of. He's not the elected representative of the Native Americans. They're not even citizens. That's where this citizenship part comes in. He has to listen to his constituents from Minnesota. And by the way, he needs every single vote, every single, you know, and and it's too bad that it comes down to votes. It's too bad it comes down to political. But it does. Everything is political. Uh, My dad taught me that uh, many years ago, and at one time I thought, oh, yeah, right. Um, Now I'm a political science minor, so what what does that tell you? Um, At any rate, Lincoln understood that he couldn't simply alienate those loyal voters. He would have had riots in the street. I mean, we thought the George Floyd thing was bad. that wouldn't have lit a candle to what would have happened if Lincoln would have simply come out and said, I'm going to pardon all 
200, I'm sorry, 303. He did pardon 265. Uh, I think we forget that uh, in this in this zeal uh, that these, you know, and I'm, I'm happy that students want to be empowered. That, that's great. That's why they go to school is to, is to become active. But you have to put it in perspective and you have to understand and you've got to go back and do your reading and, and understand the, the, the context of, of what's happening here. Uh, as an educator, I'm, I'm encouraging. So to make a long story short, that would be the answer that I give to this young woman. I actually had, I actually had an experience, this was some years ago, um, when I was actually at a, a conference, and it, it was a Native American woman that sat down. You know, we were having a nice conversation, and she asked me what I did. Mm-hmm. And somehow, in the course of the conversation, it came out that I was a Lincoln presenter. Oh, he's a terrible man. Do you know? You know, and then she went into this, and I said, Yes, ma'am, but do you realize he pardoned 265? She'd never heard that part of the mm-hmm. story because that part isn't emphasized anymore. That's not what the. Uh, whatever you want to call this current group of, um, I'm going to call them political activists. I, I don't have a, a particular word. But these these people want to take down these statues, the cancel culture uh, phenomenon. And it's not only unique to Mankato. In fact, I would say we're probably picking up on something that's uh, been sweeping the nation. Uh, somebody asked me when it started, uh, and I didn't have an exact date, but I'd say within the last five, ten years, it's really gotten off the ground. But this idea that if something offends you, you can simply cancel it or eliminate it. And I th- I think that traces back to the Internet. Mm. You know, the whole Facebook phenomenon. If I don't like something that somebody said, oh, I'm going to unfriend you. Well, okay, that's one thing to do it online, but it's quite another to be tipping over statues and vandalizing like they did in Portland uh, here last fall. Uh, there was a statue of Lincoln in Portland, Oregon, uh, and actually one of Theodore Roosevelt, and they were both vandalized. But guess what was painted on the Lincoln statue? 38 plus 2. And where do you think they got that from? It's a reference to this event here in Mankato. So, I mean, it is well known. Yes, Mankato is the site of the largest mass execution in American history. That's true. Those folks have a memorial. They have Reconciliation Park. Uh, people can go there and understand. And, and I encourage them to do that, to, to get that side of this perspective. But Lincoln was a great man. There should be students allowed to see him for who he was, too. Do you think maybe, uh, we, we meant to talk about this a little earlier, if we put things in context, maybe, you know, they list this as part of the thing and you can draw your own conclusions. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, isn't that what isn't that what going to college is supposed to be about? It's supposed to be a marketplace of ideas. You're not going to agree with everything. I mean, there's there's art in the student union. You know, some of the modern art, for example, some of it dates back to the 1960s. You know, during the the Vietnam protest era, and I remember when some of it was put in. You know, as a child walking through there with my dad, and I'm looking at this. It's like, what is it? Uh, you know, that's not art. Uh, you know, at least to me, it wasn't. But you know what? His answer was, if you don't like it, don't look at it. And, and that's, that's how I feel. You know, these people, uh, there, was, there was one comment, and it's similar to one that you, uh, you cited. I don't know if it's from the same person. But uh, I, I did see one post or one comment. Someone said that they were so offended by walking by that statue or it made them feel so unsafe or what. 
the only reason you'd feel unsafe is if it fell over on you. If you don't like it, don't look at it. And it's it's more apt to fall over on you if you're trying to move it, if you're trying to cart it off somewhere, than if you just leave it stand where it is. It is a seven-foot statue, so it's pretty yeah. big. Yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah, you know, so I guess we need to acknowledge there have been atrocities done. But oh, absolutely. The, and so, you know, we are in a different time and a different day. So how do we reconcile that then? I mean, you know, leave this statue, make others uh, to acknowledge some of the past mistakes. Yeah, and why? why that, that's a very good point, Karen. Thank you for, for reminding me. With cancel culture, it's all about removal. It's all about getting rid of what offends me. Why do we have to get rid of something? If they want to make another statue to something they support... Okay, fine. Do it. But leave the Lincoln statue, you know, leave that leave that for for other people. You know, why is it why is it an all or nothing proposition? That that's that's my question. So this is going to be kind of a devil's advocate. So what if there's a picture or a statue of Hitler on campus? How would you feel about that? Cuz he did a lot of really bad things. Yes, he did. Well, it's a little it's a little different in the sense of Hitler never visited Mankato. Of course, Lincoln didn't either, but Lincoln had a direct impact mm-hmm. on Minnesota history where Hitler, you know, I suppose you could argue through German um, immigrants and so on, the, the descendants, uh, he had a very uh, negative impact, uh, I might add. Um, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good point. But I guess I would answer it by saying it depends why it was there. If it's if it's an exhibit on the Holocaust, then yeah, there should be a picture of Hitler there with with context explaining what he did. It 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 all depends on the situation. If I was just gonna you know put one up to to celebrate him, uh, yeah, I might uh, might have a. Difference of opinion. So it sounds like cons, but, but there's no, but there's no compare, and and people have actually made the comparison between Hitler and Lincoln, and there right. is no comparison. And I think a lot of it has to do with the context of of what you're seeing things context. in, and you know, to recognize other people do have different experiences in their background, and it, it may be offensive to some, but like you said, you know, maybe there's another way to acknowledge other. Um, people who have been done good things for history and in, in, in our culture too now I'll take now I'll take that one step further you mentioned Hitler all right I'm gonna I'm gonna use the Holocaust or the concentration camps you know people wonder well why in the world do they have these Holocaust concentration camps still open for people to visit you know are we celebrating you know what no it's to show people the horrors the atrocities that were committed. So again, going back to that portrait, if that's what they're using it for, then I see nothing wrong with it. But you have to, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. You have to put it in context, and you do with this as well with with Lincoln. And if you put him in historical context, the good far outweighs the bad. When you do your presentations of in your presentation with Lincoln of Lincoln, do you ever talk about that? part in history or do you you know some people would say whitewashes and not talk about that no i talk you're talking about the dakota u.s yes, dakota war yes. yes i in fact i have a, a regular presentation that, that i do um called with charity for all where i actually yes uh, in fact i do it for the sixth graders um you know that that was one of the arguments uh back in 2012 when the sesquicentennial 
observance was going on, and I'll never forget this. I was over at Gustavus. Um, there was a young woman that stood up, and, you know, they were having a discussion, and she says, why wasn't I never taught this in school? And the short answer, well, is you should have been. Right. Uh, and those of us that are committed to history education, we do, we do teach it. Uh, and I actually have a special unit that I do for the sixth graders where I come in and I, and I actually sit down with them and explain. And I bring the scales of justice and I tell them, okay, this is what Lincoln was facing on both sides or what I was facing, you know, as, as Lincoln. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I, I do do that. And, and I, I hope people will take advantage of that. So are you okay? They want to move it and, um, you know, put it somewhere if they put it in a context and, and leave it on campus? I'm not in favor of being moved uh, because that's that's acknowledging the cancel culture. Uh, I'm, I'm, and I suppose you could call me a little bit uh, stubborn, uh, but I'm drawing a line in the sand and saying enough is enough. If they want to put context around it, okay, fine, but leave it where it is. Um, and it depends what the context is. Uh, that That is another whole can of worms, too. I mean, if they're going to put up that only he hanged the 38, well, that's not accurate. Right. So it has to be done. It has to be done accurately. It has to be done appropriately. But I say leave the statue where it is uh, because I'm not going to give ground to these people um, to say that they will. It, 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 it's a slippery slope because if you allow it to be moved once, oh, in a few years we don't like that location, so let's move it somewhere else. No, I'm drawing a line in the sand and saying no more. We are talking with Bryce Ostenzel, who is a community portrayer of Abraham Lincoln, talking about the discussion that's been going on on campus about moving the Lincoln statue from the Centennial Student Union to another location. We are out of time, Bryce, but I want to thank you for bringing your side of the story here and a little bit of history to us. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'd like to encourage people to, you know, get in touch with their campus representatives. You know, it's it's you have my voice here, but I'm just one voice. I know there's other people out there that, that feel strongly about this. Don't let my voice be the only voice. Get out there and, and voice your own opinion and stick up for this statue. Stick up for history. Thank you so much, Bryce.